Driving it home with Patty Vasquez, Patty Vasquez. From global conflicts to greenhouse gases, the folks refusing to wear masks says, and politicians getting caught grabbing asses says, she's driving it home with Patty Vasquez. Hello, hello, and happy Wednesday, everyone. Hope that you are happy and healthy and safe wherever you are today. A little bit uh, chilly out, but certainly heading towards uh, warmer weather, although I just found out that although it will be in the mid to high 50s throughout the weekend and and then into Christmas, which still is so weird, it's going to be rainy. It's going to be a lot of rain, which I I don't that doesn't sound like if it was sunny in Christmas and 55, like that would be interesting, (laughs) but dreary and muddy on Christmas sounds horrible. I'm just going to say that right now. So let's find other ways to uh, bring some cheer, whether it's uh, decorations or cookies or calling somebody that uh, maybe you haven't talked to in a long time and uh, wish them a wonderful holiday season. You know, a lot of times relationships get away from us. We get bogged down with everything going on in life and we think, oh, it's been too long. I, You know, now it's just weird if I reach out now. Uh, push through that and uh, reach out to people that you uh, think about and haven't been in contact with. Just to try to find ways to bring some uh, joy and uh, happiness this uh, time of year. And I actually went to lunch with my uh, family, with my husband and my son Griffin, uh, because Declan has, uh, today was his last full day of school. And uh, I've talked about my son, who is an incredible 18-year-old man now. It's so weird to say he's a man, has some uh, challenges, and he requires 24-hour care. And so it was a little bit of a break, and I wanted to make sure that uh, we got to spend a little time together and uh, had a wonderful meal over by here on the northwest side. And it's, I always forget that no matter where I go, because I've lived here my entire life and I ran for office and I host this wonderful radio show. And uh, so sometimes I, I run into people and I, I'm like, I, I have to, I'm hanging out with my family right now. Uh, I'd love to hug you and catch up later. Uh, but this is like the only hour I'm going to get with just my boys for, uh, for a couple of weeks. Um, but it was, uh, oh man, just. So it was a it was just in the hallway talking to Jerry Walski, our co-producer and collaborator on the show, who was here for me. I don't know if Andy knows about what happened on. Were you here Friday? It's all a blur to me because, uh, oh, so you missed me getting violently ill on the air. I was at a holiday party on Friday, and somebody had decided to order a ghost pizza and not a ghost pepper pizza, and not appropriately label it. And by the time I had consumed a few bites of it, uh, it was too late. The damage was done. And I, uh, it was aggressive. So yes, that was <laughs> today's the first day since Friday I've been able to have a solid meal. Uh, so thank you to whoever thought it would be funny to order a ghost pepper pizza um, for that holiday party. <laughs> it was, yeah. and there's videotape of me reacting to it, Andy. Uh, I'm a performer, so I was like, yeah, it's leaving a, a lasting impression. Um, which now, uh, about five days later, uh, I'm, I'm finally in the clear from that experience. I am excited. Uh, about the holidays, I'm trying. I'm 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 trying to get in the mood because uh, yesterday I was talking about how I just am not feeling it, um, and maybe it is partly the weather. Uh, there's just a lot going on, and I also. I, I just maybe it's all the unrest in the world, all the, the the point that we are, you know, coming out of a weekend where the former president of the United States invoked the exact same language as Hitler did uh, in his rise to power, talking about a population of people poisoning the blood of America and 
you know, there are folks who will say, oh, you know, those are just words. You're overreacting. Don't be hysterical, which if you think about it, and I'm sure many of us do, was exactly the way they talked to us when we when we really were very being as vocal as possible and obviously often argumentative when it came to the importance of electing Hillary Clinton and the future of our Supreme Court, the future of women's reproductive rights and autonomy, uh, when it comes to uh, the stability of just even our day-to-day lives. The, you know, there, another small business in the neighborhood is uh, just made an announcement that they are closing, that uh, they will not be able to stay in business. And they talked about the pandemic and how uh, how hard it has been to recover. And so much of that was it, it, because of the policies of Donald Trump, not just uh, not just uh, failing to act with some sense of urgency when people started dying and, and dismissing it, saying, oh, this will all be gone by Easter. It's just a flu or we want to build uh, immunity and uh, it, it all, whether or not we could inject uh, bleach and sunlight or digest bleach, inject sunlight, UV light, all the things. And, and remember, I think one of the things one of the things we have to uh, bring up, I believe, is the fact that there was in response to the Ebola threat under President Obama, a playbook, a strategy for future pandemics that when he came into office, Donald Trump just tossed, eliminated the entire thing because they didn't want in the rush to disassociate from anything from a prior administration, uh, just got rid of it. And not so not only were we behind the eight ball when it came to being able to communicate between the, the government officials and the bodies like the departments of health across the country, but communication between the hospitals. I've done some research on how there wasn't even any crossover of sharing, you know, this is the percentage of beds we have left. There was a point early on where the hospitals were getting so slammed that the, the, the even possibility of having a car accident, a multi-car car accident, would mean that people would not be able to receive treatment. And people not only died from COVID uh, and their health continue or, or their health continues to be negatively impacted by that. People also died without being able to get treatment because of the strain on our hospital system. Uh, anyway, I, I, <laughs> am I bringing this all up? Because we do have numbers rising. And if you feel I, I want to encourage you, if you are concerned, to please make sure that you are, and not even if you're concerned, I, I'm urging you to please get your yearly COVID-19 shots. If you're going to be in a space that is, whether it's the train or planes, or do your best to be safe and wear a mask. I know that a lot, I wore my mask on the train today. I wear it, today I, I put it back on in, in the elevator, in big spaces and tight spaces. I try to remember, and, and I apologize because I know there are people that I don't always wear it, but... But um, when I know that there's going to be a bigger group of people that I, especially strangers, who I know are, for the most part, around other people who are not being safe. Uh, so do your best to, uh, as you're gathering, um, to, to take care of yourselves. And and, uh, and beyond that, also to rest. We talked about this yesterday, about the mental health stressors of uh, the holidays. Please make sure you're resting. Please try to be aware of how much alcohol you're consuming. Drink some water in between. You know me. 
I'm going to have my glass of wine. I might have a, a little bourbon. I'm definitely going to have some spiked eggnog. Uh, I'm also trying to be aware of how that impacts both my um, my physical well-being as well as my emotional well-being. Uh, I, I mentioned yesterday that I uh, in grade school there was a several teachers actually you know you have the talks too much in class and stuff like that there was actually a column one of the options for teachers to rate a student at my grade school uh, on a hand here on the northwest side (laughs) one of the categories was uh self-control and my i always got notes to my parents that i lack self-control and i was thinking about that today and you know it's just something you kind of um you know it's there's not uh it's more of an attention issue or uh, where I focus. So I'm, as I get older, I'm trying to be more aware and intentional with my choices, uh, knowing that I have that, uh, not just because my teachers said so, um, but partly they, they, they had perhaps a point. Uh, mostly in grade school, it was hard for me to, uh, uh, how do I say this, um, uh, offer commentary on uh, the things a teacher was saying. So they, I know that's hard to believe that I was a chatterbox in uh, in grade school and, and couldn't uh, help but uh, share my opinions. And apparently that's why I'm behind this microphone today, because when I see stories like Governor Abbott chartering a private jet and loading it up with at least 91 migrants, and flying them to Chicago, he's now said from his sec- uh, press secretary that it's because Chicago is not being the welcoming city that we profess to be. Uh, again, twisting the the, ide- the ideology behind being a welcoming city and a sanctuary city. A sanctuary city means that we will not, that the police department, that our agencies, our city agencies will not cooperate with whether it's Homeland Security or immigration officers when somebody seeks services. Let's say somebody has a utility problem or somebody uh, has to report a crime and in the process of that uh, order or report they are uh, asked about their citizenship. They cannot be asked about their citizen status and they cannot be reported to immigration. That's what sanctuary city means and immigration. The welcoming city means that people cannot be denied those services, cannot be denied when they make a phone call to 311 or to 911. They're their citizenship status, their status as a as undocumented, whatever it is, they cannot be denied services. That's everything. And instead of and look, we know that there has been for decades an issue with how we manage the border. And this has been something that Republicans have refused to vote on funding for. Uh, you can holler all you want. Uh, and I perhaps there's something more that President I don't know what the strategy is here from anybody. I do know that we have a child who died on Monday in the care of uh an organization that has a contract with the city of Chicago that does not seem to be under any uh, umbrella of accountability. Uh, we don't know why the folks from this uh, Fair Health organization uh, did not allow this family to call 911 in order to seek care for this for their child. Uh, this is the numbers are overwhelming for the volunteers, for the care providers. Um, it is, it, And we already, we know that there are people who need our help. A lot of folks feel that the money that is being used to uh, support the people who are being bused here or flown here, uh, we know that that money is expensive. A lot of it has been, it seems, uh, not well 
spent or distributed. And yet we need to figure this out. We And, and it, there is support for people who are in Chicago, perhaps not to the levels that we wish, uh, who are have been marginalized, who are without shelter, who are food vulnerable. There are, there are so many organizations that have worked every single day to do their very best to help neighbors. And if you have uh, the opportunity to uh, reach out to the Chicago Food Depository or the Hope Food Pantry uh, or any of the organizations in your community, not you know, do it for the holidays, but try to figure out if you have the ability to volunteer on a regular basis or perhaps have a recurring $5, $10 a month uh, so that they know. The, the thing about signing up for a recurring donation, they have that knowing in advance that they can hopefully count on that amount of money every single month. So if you have 100 people that are donating $10 a month, they know what they can count on down the road. So if you have the ability to uh, to make that uh, commitment, uh, please do so or volunteer or uh, find some way to support what we already have in place. And yes, it should be better. In the absence of that, uh, let's do the best that we can for each other. I'm going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. want to thank our sponsors. Of course, Kirk Bank said who we checked in with yesterday, we'll be opening a new uh, tavern, a new uh, tasting room. A brew pub in Madison, Wisconsin in 2024. We're very excited about that. And you can make some wonderful holiday purchases at com. Really great t-shirts and mugs. Maybe ship some woke nitro coffee. It's non-alcoholic and it is fantastic. It's a great way to start your day or get a little boost during the day. And uh, so maybe you want to ship some choice wine, choice seltzer, and uh, one of his great He's got so many great beers. The uh, I haven't had a chance to try the Schoolhouse Bach, but uh, I hope to. also want to thank our friend Warren Price at European-U.S. Collision Center over at 4080 North Broadway. Go to europeanus.com and find out if uh, you've got something going on with your car, if you've got a, if you've got a fender bender situation and maybe you've been putting it off. Uh, take it over by him and see what he can do for you. And uh, tell him tell him the Patty sent you. And we want to thank our friends at Kids Above All, working so hard to help children who have survive trauma, reach their potential. So go to kidsaboveall.org and support them in any way you can. More in a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal. Patty Vasquez is taking your calls now at 773-763-9278. Driving it home with Patty Vasquez now on WCPT 820. Thank you for joining us as we drive it home till 7. I am your host, Patty Vasquez. We were talking a little bit uh, before the break about the uh, immigration and asylum seeker situation here in Chicago as Governor Abbott chartered a private jet and uh, loaded the plane up with passengers destined for Chicago. We don't know yet if they knew where they, where they were being sent. Uh, I don't. Also, if you're going to put folks on a plane, they have to be registered with the TSA. So there are a lot of questions. Apparently, the two what they called handlers on the plane left the plane, fled, being described as having fled the plane and jumping in an Uber, which I, there's a lot of questions I have about that. Were they running down the tarmac? (laughs) Did they catch an Uber on one of the runways? What do you mean they fled the plane and jumped in an Uber? They were at an airport with, and the police department was called by the, I believe the control tower uh, to say, hey, there's a plane full of people who are, are not we don't know if they're supposed to be here. Uh, and uh, Anyway, that's that's one of the stories. Yesterday, we were on the air when the news came down that the Colorado Supreme Court 
had determined that President, uh, former President Donald J. Trump was not eligible to be on the ballot for the presidential race because uh, in Colorado because he had violated the 14th Amendment in instigating a, an insurrection. Um, and I'm so tired of hearing people say a lot of the conservatives are like, oh, they they don't want to put it to the people. They don't want to let the people vote. We voted. We we did have our voices heard. The American people had their voices heard. And by a popular majority and the Electoral College, Joe Biden won the race. We did vote. We we did that. And you refuse to accept the the results. It, and that's why we're here. The, the reason that he's ineligible to be on the ballot currently in Colorado is because he refused to listen to the voice of the people and encouraged violence to disrupt the certification of a fair and free election. That was one of the safest elections we have had in the history of the country. Anyway, that's just my that's my all my sense worth on everything that I have on my mind right now. Steve, what's on your mind, my friend? Oh, a few things. Well, I'm calling you from Houston. There's no civilization here, so I'm, Is that right? I'm thoroughly convinced of that. Well, be it's, careful. It's 67 degrees, but, yeah. but it's, it's a culturally barren landscape. So, well, and plus, so if it rains, for anybody, yeah, if it rains, you're done. I mean, you're done for the day. They don't have the the streets just start flooding in Houston. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Or, or you know, God forbid that it, it snows half an inch. You know, the, oh. the entire city comes to a screeching halt. Yeah, I mean, let me uh, but, let me take this moment. Let me, let me take this Go moment ahead. to share one of my favorite jokes by comedian Vince Moranto. That he was in Tennessee and he was getting some ice from the ice machine at the motel, and he dropped the ice bucket, and they had to shut down all the roads around the motel. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure I got that joke wrong, Vince. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Houston. Yeah, Houston may surpass Chicago in population in the near future, but I mean, culturally, intellectually, every other which way you want to measure it, it does not compare to Chicago. But that's like that's on a side. Um, so, yes, go ahead. Oh, yes, go ahead. Yes. So, uh, so a couple of points. One, uh, yes, this is really important with regard to this issue of, the, of migrants. You know, I mean, if Abbott was really serious about alleviating the burden on, t- on the taxpayers of this country, you know what you would do? You would actually send people who are from places like Venezuela to a state that has a large Venezuelan population, as opposed to Chicago, which has an... Yes, we have a very... Uh, we don't have a... Oh, we lost Steve. See, they're trying to suppress his voice in, in Houston. Houston has a problem. All right, let's see what uh, Steve in, uh, in Homewood has to say. Hey, Steve, what's on your mind? Oh, hi, Patty. How are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. I talked with you uh, regarding Anna and Catholic Charities, and I got connected with the family uh, of uh, the immigrant family from Venezuela uh-huh. uh, last week. And so uh, I had an update. I got a call today from uh, Pastor Bethany from the Lutheran Church in Blue Island. And uh, she's bilingual, and she's starting up a, a combination English-Spanish ministry. Oh, wonderful! And she shared with she shared with me that they do a community dinner on Tuesday on Thursday nights, and I'm going to go over there tomorrow night after work and meet with her. And there's another pastor with another church in Blue Island as well, and it has a large. Mexican-American and Central American population down there. And so they're trying to join forces to see what other um, 
uh, what other ministries they can do to help ease the immigrant situation. Uh, uh, I found out that uh, I guess there's a, a building at uh, CIRMAC in Halstead, mm-hmm. six-story building that's housing 3,000 immigrants. La- I- I've seen different numbers. Uh, apparently, it was intended. This is the one in Pilsen that you're talking about. I'm terrible with streets. But there is. I know that there's one building that sounds like it's about that size that was intended to ha- house 1,000. Last I'd heard, it was 2,000. So I don't, I'm not sure. I don't even—they're not— necessarily putting out the specifics of the population that they're caring for in different locations. Perhaps it's, well, perhaps it is Pastor, as big as 3,000. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Uh, Pastor, Jer- uh, Pastor Bethany shared with me 3,000, but she said that at the moment, the number one, I know. <laughs> oh gosh. And more are coming. Yeah. Uh, Pastor Bethany said the number one need, she, she got a call from there that their number one need was, uh, at the moment, is blankets. Okay. Uh, they're desperate They're desperate for blankets. And, the, uh, the and lo- then, by the way, yes, ahead. you're correct, Steve. The location where the young boy died on Friday is, in fact, at the uh, the warehouse, literally, at, uh, at Cermak and Halstead. And it says it says that there, as of five days ago, there were more than 2,300 2, recently arrived uh, migrants. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. Oh Lord. Well, what uh, w- one of the things that sh- uh, that was uh, shared with me, uh, and this is something that I, I shared with her about my relationship. Amy and I are our new relationship with Alberto and Darnay and and their family, and I and we're planning on visiting them and sharing Christmas afternoon with them, and they want to prepare a meal for us, and this ties in with. Uh, uh, what uh, Pastor uh, uh, Bethany said that uh, many of these immigrants had to report is that these folks, as much as they appreciate all the the physical supplies that were that people are providing, the clothing, and as and as they get uh, placed into apartments and houses, the furniture and things, physical needs to get them started. He said the one of the one of the most priority things that they want is uh, relationships. Mm. That they're that they just don't want people to drop off uh, physical things and then leave as much as they need it. It's this fellowship, building relationships with people to be a feel a part of a community. I, I, yeah. I, and that's gonna, I, that's so hard to coordinate because as I watch, I, I know that the volunteers who were su- offering support at the 16th district were doing the best they could with both, with physical assistance, whether it was clothing, food, water, uh, helping them get showers at the park district. And I know that they made some connections. I think it was also hard because they never knew when folks were going to be uh, sent somewhere else. Uh, but they, they had a really nice, I mean, they were so organized, had spread sheets of families, how many members, ages, sizes of clothes. I mean, there. this was a Herculean a- effort by so many volunteer organizations, whether it was religious groups, neighborhood right. groups, just people who wanted to help. And uh, and in the face of derision, of hostility from their neighbors, from from people who didn't want these, uh, these folks to have safety in our communities uh, against everyone's will. Let's let's not forget nobody. Nobody wanted this. Uh, it, it's it, but we are doing the best we can. 
Yeah, absolutely, and uh, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And there are, there are people that are burning the candle at 3Ms, uh, donating their time and efforts uh, so much more than uh, myself. But uh, if, if anybody else is out there listening to the program and if they want to do something and if they want to become involved, it takes time and effort. But I, I guess I'm asking, you know, find one family, find a couple of individuals to invest more of your time in to build a relationship with them. And, and I think that's an important aspect of this that these people are craving. Uh, and so if, if somebody's heart is moved, you know, that uh, can commit the time. You, you have to make the time to, to do this. And it's a, and it's a conscious effort that uh, these people are, are, are suffering on so many levels and, this is a personal level about relationship. And so I'm just encouraging people to, you know, you can't help everybody, but you can help one person. Agreed. And there are online, you can do a word search for like, I believe one of the organizations that I, I'm a member of is a refugee community connection. I, there's a couple of different groups uh, that are located throughout the Chicagoland area. And they often, you know, people will put up, I've got items to distribute. I, I, um, I'm volunteering to uh, store some of these things. A lot of people in my neighborhood have used their garages. They've rented out storage spaces to keep a lot of these items. So I, I, I agree, Steve. I, I'm so grateful for the work that you do, and uh, thank you for calling and updating us. Thank, and we're all grateful for the work that you and all the volunteers are doing. Thanks for. You're welcome. Thank you, Patty, for putting me on and letting me share my two cents today. I appreciate. God bless it. and have a beautiful, have a beautiful Christmas. You as well. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, we're going to take a break here. Uh, I'm, we have a guest coming in studio from Schoolhouse. Rock. We're so excited about Schoolhouse. Uh, Schoolhouse Kitchen's coming in studio in just a few moments. We are going to check in with Bethany Story uh, from the Schoolhouse Kitchen Portage Park right over by here. And uh, we'll find out what they've got going on through the holidays and beyond. More in a moment on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal. Hi folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You're listening to Driving It Home with Patty Vasquez on WCPT 820. We are so thrilled to welcome to the studio Beth, Bethany's story, but I do I want to ask Bethany a quick favor. I, actually, I forgot already that I promised one of our listeners who uh, is on hold. And we were talking about some of the stories in Chicago, so I'm going to separate the politics and the policies and government stuff from our guest. And uh, go to Steve in Chicago because he's got he's heading places, and uh, he's only going to be able to listen to the, the little bit of our show because you got a meeting at six. What's going on at six, Steve? What's so I do, important? I do. I'm kidding. You're um, I've got a board meeting. Okay. I've got a board meeting. So all right. Um, speaking of, I just just a little bit of background. Um, I've worked with a number of not for profits here in Chicago over the years, and um, I was actually working with one as we were developing our not-for-profit status. And that's when I really came to learn 
that when you get that, when you get a not-for-profit status, one of the things you have to do is say, well, this is how we're going to be serving the community. This is how we're going to be giving back. Um, and so I did a little more research, and I found out a lot of churches really don't give anything to the community. And so my proposal, and this would not be just for the um, migrants, yep. but just for homelessness in general. Yep. I think the law should be adapted that every single church has to take in a family, feed them, clothe them, house them in order to maintain their not-for-profit status. You know, it's interesting because when I, uh, I don't know how specific I can be about this, but let's say I've been doing some research as far as nonprofit hospitals that are on extremely expensive mm-hmm. land. In Basically, oh, yeah. in exchange for that, they're supposed to provide a certain percentage of their care to people who are under or uninsured, and they are nowhere near those numbers. So it's also yep. it's not just a law, but it's also uh, enforcing those laws like a lot of other things. But yeah, I agree with, I, hey, I, I'm I'm glad that at least Catholic Charities have finally started to open some of their doors uh, throughout the city. So yeah, I'm with you. And thank you for the work that you're doing, Steve. Great to hear from you. Pleasure. Take care. Take care. Take care. Uh, oh, I just turned my mic off. And said, <laughs> I was like, hey, we're done with that conversation. I'm just going to go walk out of the room now. Hey, everybody. It is the holiday season. And uh, I love our small businesses all over the city. And in particular, my neighbors who create the landscape of our community. And I want to thank uh, Bethany Story for coming in. I'm saying your name, right? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, excellent. Yeah. Hi. Yes, hello. From Schoolhouse Kitchen over here uh, on Milwaukee Avenue. They do cooking classes. They have a wonderful focus on children. And I know it's so necessary in this community. There's so many great families who've been looking for something to do. And you guys have really, uh, I think, brought out so much talent and excitement. Yeah, we are turning one, what? well, at least in Portage Park, we're turning one in February. So hey. the community has welcomed us so warmly, and we're off and running. It's amazing. This week, we're starting winter camps. So kids who are off of school for winter break, we have camps starting this Friday okay. and going through the first week of January, making snacks and lunch. They're there all day, just like the school day for parents who need um, you know activities for their kids. We've got so much going on. Um, we've started, we've really, our offsite mobile kitchen has really taken off. So we're in CPS schools all around oh, Chicago man. doing after school programs and going to them. So, um, you know, parents don't have to come to us as well. So we're just, yeah, the community has been so welcoming. We're, we're just, we're off and running. We're all over now. It's amazing. It has to be so fulfilling to see kids get excited about something that's, that it affects, I mean, you have to eat. Right. right. And to make it something that's educational and fun. I mean, for you two, like your background, I believe you were a farmer before this, right? And with, did some farming. Yep. Yeah. Learned to farm. Now that you're, to do you say you were yeah. a farmer? Or I did farming. Is I mean, I did, did you not, I, did you I not feel like you were a I farmer? Uh, my brother-in-law uh-huh. was the farmer. Okay. Um, I ended up marrying his brother, so <laughs> but, but he was the farmer. Okay, um, so you can't say you were a farmer. I, I was a farmhand. Farmhand? Yeah. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. I, hey, I still have my uh, Little House on the Prairie book somewhere, and I... Because I, <laughs> I think Pa Ingalls is definitely a farmer, yes, with his oxen. Anyway, well, any, but it, but it, like your background in, you know, where, where the food comes from, how it's, you know, disper- how people receive that food, and now how kids... I mean, what a, an incredible circle of experience. Yeah, it's it's really fun, too. Especially, we get lots of picky eaters, as you would imagine. And <laughs> so we always do something sweet, you know, mm-hmm. especially in our all-day camps. We make a sweet snack. There's always baking. That's in the afternoon. And really, the lunch menu is kind of where we get to kind of, like, wiggle in some new foods that for them to try. Sure. And it's, it's incredible. Once you see them, they're chopping, they're measuring. When they're 
doing everything. They are hands-on doing everything, working the stove, stirring the pot. They'll try it. Sure. You know, so it's it's we get picky eaters and like you said everyone has to eat and it's amazing to see the ownership once they once they have that self-efficacy of oh my gosh I made this I can do this they, they'll try it and, right. and more often than that they like it you know sure we've had parents we make minestrone soup with real little ones like preschool age and a parent will go oh my gosh this is the first time my kid tried a carrot right you know because they were the ones chopping it and they got to see it goes into the pot and they start just yeah it's it's a pretty wild full circle experience for them it's it's really neat i'm just trying to imagine uh a kid a, a, a kid with a knife do you have like a little i have, actually i have a finger guard that i use i have one of those little metal things because i nice, I, that's perfect. I typically take off fingernails and some like this the part of i can't mm-hmm. feel this part of my pinky anymore yeah, do you have yep. any of those well, we, teach, we teach kids to make a bear claw or right. a c-shape right and that you should hear your fingernails on your cutting board and okay. that's how you'll know the knife will only ever touch your knuckles, right? So you protect your your nails and your fingertips that way. But we do have little choppers. I yeah. mean, we don't, you know, once they get older and they're more um, comfortable with a knife, we we do have chef's knives that they use. But but we start them off with choppers. And, and do you? So I. Uh, it's funny because I only recently realized that like a, a good knife that is like that feels it's good in everything. your hand. Oh my god! It's everything. You and know, it, mine mine came from Pampered Chef of all places. Like, oh really? <laughs> it's yeah. like a littler one. Yeah. And a sharp knife. I yeah. mean, a, sh- oh. a, a dull knife is the most dangerous knife you can use, right? Because you have to put more effort into it. I have so many knife recommendations, actually, for anyone who's listening that's interested. Maybe you're buying it as a holiday gift for um, maybe someone who's going off to college soon or getting their first apartment. Okay, some great knives. Okay. One is, um, the brand name is MAC, M-A-C. Okay. Their Santoku knife is excellent for slicing onions. It's the only knife I use to slice onions. It's a super thin blade, which means it slices through that onion nice and finely, and it releases less of those vapors that make us tear up. So that's a great knife. It's a little bit on the higher end. Not too expensive, but it's higher end. If you're looking for like a good budget-friendly knife, um, Victorinox is a great company. They make Swiss Army knives, so really reputable brand. Um, And they make a great, comfortable... It's got like a... The handle is really comfortable, um, and it's a lightweight knife. That's a great one. You can buy them in like 8, 10, 12-inch long blades. That's a great budget-friendly knife if you're looking for a gift. Or That was kind of my first knife. And then, you know, you get your Wustoff, which is a little yep. bit more expensive, but really well-made. And, you know, oh, my gosh, I could talk uh, knives oh, forever. Those well, are- do you have your? Do you have a, a, a block, a knife block? or Because I have a metal strip. I love my metal strip from Ikea, and I have them all next to this, like, on the wall. Sure. So- I keep them all in a drawer. I have, like, okay. one of those, like... Um, oh, the non-slip the grip, slots. like padding, uh-huh. and then I just I, I just keep oh, them all in a drawer, just flat just, in the drawer. Yeah, my my more expensive knives, I'll I'll keep the box. Like the Max Santoku knife comes in like a really nice box, and I'll leave that open and place it in there. I'm so it's like a ritual. Yeah, it is. It's it's you, knives are everything in cooking. Do yeah. you like? Do you think ahead of time? I'm I'm going to need the Santoku knife. I do. I go okay. I'm going to cut. You know my. Butternut squash with my Wustoff because that's the workhorse <laughs> knife. I'm going to cut, you know, so yeah. I love it. Knife nerd for sure. Well, no, I, I like I said, I, I found this, I got this knife because I hosted a, a pepper, pampered chef thing and I got a few things and I'm like, you know what? Because I, I, it's a, it's just a regular, I don't know what they call it, like the chef's knife. Mm-hmm. Is that what? Yeah. 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 And uh, so I had, I think I have a Wustoff actually. I think that my set was a Wustoff and I just kept that. I didn't, like all the other knives we didn't really use. So I donated them. Mm-hmm. Um, but now that you're talking about knives, I'm like, well, I, w- I want to try this max. 
Santoku. Um, but I, but the way it feels in your hand too, it's like a, it's like a, for whatever it is that you do where it requires a sense of weight, like a baseball bat or a mm-hmm. golf club or a bowling ball. That's how I am with that knife. I'm like, yeah. it just feels right. Absolutely. In places like Sur La Table, I'm sure they still do this. Um, you know, a cooking school I used to work at over in Minneapolis, they, they, a retail store where you could go in and you could actually hold the knives, right? They had a whole knife section with someone there to help you kind of feel how does it feel in your hand? It's heavy. Is it right? Full tang or not full tang, which means, you know, does the, does the metal go all the way through the handle or not? So, you know, all, oh, yeah. these, all these things that, you know, full tang, I'm, lo- I'm learning things. And that point, not Wu tang, full tang. Full but, tang. <laughs> so that means that you can see the metal come, the blade goes all the way through the handle right, as well. And it, it'll, it'll affect the weight. It'll yeah. Affect how it feels in your hand. But places like Sur La Table, I'm sure, probably do this where you can go in and actually hold the knife that you want to buy just to make sure it feels good. Because it, it's, and they should last you a long time. So it's worth getting one that, you know, you like and feels good feels comfortable. I love this. Yeah. Who knew I opened up a can of, of expertise yeah, yeah. of knives? I Have you it. seen this uh, this social media post, a video where they're like, here's a, a, a hack for sharpening your knife is the bottom of a coffee mug. You know, like that ceramic part? Oh, sure. A, like if you're, in, if you're in a pinch. Sure. I can't find my my blade sharpener. I don't know why. I said like a little, you know, little sandstone, whatever One it's called. Little ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah sure, I can't sure. find it. So I, I, if, I'm, if I'm feeling like it's not doing the job, I'll just get one of my coffee mugs and, sh- and it works. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good, that is a good hack. I it's, forgot about that one. That's a good one. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, for so there are the, you know the winter camps coming up. Uh, you're celebrating your one year anniversary. You also, mm-hmm. I know that you did a, a neighborhood event for the Jefferson Park Chamber of Commerce. I think they were learning to make p- pasta. Pasta. Yeah, yeah. So you have a lot of adult classes too. Tell us about those. Yeah, we just did one this past Sunday, um, and that was a collaboration with another small business here in the Portage Park area with Kit, a bar supply store. Ooh. Um, so they came by. Yes. Yeah, it was so much fun. We made spritz cookies. Okay. Um, with a piping tip. So usually those are made with a cookie press, um, which a lot of people don't have those at home. So we like to teach it with something that you could easily do at home. So we just use like a piping tip, which are like two bucks, you know, on Amazon, um, made some spritz cookies and Kit came in and showed us how to make shrubs for cocktails or mocktails. Yes. And you got to pick your own flavors of what fruit you wanted to do and match it with a vinegar and spices. So if you wanted to do cherry with balsamic vinegar and maybe some allspice or, you know, so Kit taught us how to make shrubs and we made spritz cookies, the schoolhouse um, part of it. And we had a great time. So that was a fun adult class. We do, um, we've got a Venezuelan dinner coming up in, I believe it's in January. We're going to make arepas and some coconut rice pudding. A portion of proceeds from that class will go to help um, our Venezuelan neighbors. Outstanding. Yeah, we've got... Um, you know, Billy Zurkat, who I know you've had on this show before. We're going to do a pizza collaboration hey! class. We're, we're still figuring out the details. Um, stay tuned on the date for that, but that's going to be a fun one. We'll make some pizza. We're going to hear, you know, about his story and portion yeah. of those proceeds Amazing will go to story. Muscular Dystrophy Association. And yeah, we've got you know, from from basketball to pizza. Basketball to pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's great. Yeah. I used to make, uh, in the 90s, before kids, uh, I had, someone bought me a pizza kit, and I was obsessed with making, like, our own dough and all different kinds of sauces. I, my favorite thing to make was a barbecue pizza with red onions and some other things, like cilantro, mm. and I was, I was doing that in the 90s. Yeah, we were, I was experimenting, and I made some of my own deep dish pizzas and things. I haven't done that in a long time. <laughs> Which reminds me, I have a question for you, because you brought a, a box of cookies, uh, some wonderful little 
sprinkle cookies. They're so cute, everybody. Look how cute that is. Do you have, are you a cookie person? Are you a baker as well, pastry I'm person? a baker. I'm much more, my wheelhouse is much more cooking. Just mm-hmm. it's, mu- it's a I can little tell bit by more, the knives. It's a little bit, yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit more flexible. Baking mm. is such an art and such a precise science. But right. um, I do, I love to bake. Schoolhouse does so many cool baking recipes. They really will go out there and try something really kooky and fun. So that, that part's cool. Do you have any suggestions or have you heard of any good uh, ideas for p- folks who maybe are not traditionally cookie makers at Christmas time and all of a sudden they've got a bug? They, you know what? It, maybe, like, cause I know, like, the Mexican, um, like, the, the, the powdered sugar ones, they've got pecan. I think they're called Mexican Christmas cookies. Mm. I can't remember what they're called, but they're, those are really easy. Do you have any yeah. suggestions for, like, easier easy cookies? Easy cookies? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. There's one. I don't know if this is the one you're thinking. Are those crescent shaped? Yes. Or are those, okay, those are the ones I was thinking of. I'm actually making those for my right. family. It's this like Christmas. pecans, and it's a pretty easy. Dough. That one might be, this one might be a little more complicated. flavored with almond. Okay. So maybe it's a slightly different one. That one, and then you 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 bake them off and roll them in powdered sugar when they're straight out of the oven. Those are really good. Yeah. Um, sugar cookies. I mean, sugar, the classic sugar cookies <laughs> with a you know royal icing, different than a glaze. The royal icing, you're gonna want some meringue powder. Mm. Oh, I guess you're talking about. Are, you, are we talking easy here? Because I think I just went off. No meringue powder is okay. okay. I think what's meringue powder? You, you I mean, can buy that off it, Amazon. It just okay. it just stabilizes your 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 icing so okay. that it's the kind of thing that hardens so when you see those okay. classic holiday shaped sugar cookies with the icing on top that's that's what that is but it it really isn't that many ingredients it's like powdered sugar meringue powder which you can buy off amazon and water i mean i think is the only ingredient so those are super easy and um, if only to make your house smell like christmas time yeah. with cookies baking you know yeah, exactly. what, what's your favorite thing what's your favorite sort of holiday fe- meal and fest feast type mm. thing because I'm a bit, you know what? I'm I'm kind of a do a thing, almost a Thanksgiving do over kind of person, which I should break out of that at some point. I am too. I I go nuts for the pumpkin stuff, like pumpkin pie. Uh-huh. We only have it once a year, right? but I could do it again at Christmas. <laughs> I could. Um, it's funny. My we just had my my husband's his side of their holiday party. My my mother in law is one of ten, so it's a huge. We all get oh, together. Boy. It's a huge. It's the kind of, of energy. It's the kind of place where. It's like the people you call uncles are actually your cousins, and the people you call cousins are actually your cousins' kids because the age gap is so wide. Right. You know? So it's just it's a fun time. There's there's a lot of food at those events, and they're planted all over Chicago. That that's a fun one. But I could do I could do anything. I'm I'm kind of a Thanksgiving do over yeah do over person too. Yeah. I usually usually I switch to ham, but I made a turkey. Let's we can talk go back to cooking for a minute. I made a turkey stock that was ridiculously good mm. from the carcass of my last turkey, and I had okay. that for weeks. And it was like I just put celery and radishes and onions and garlic, oh, wow. carrots, and it was it was one of the best stocks I've ever had. Oh wow! I can't remember if I mentioned this the last time I was on your show. Um, I took a, a hog breakdown class over what? the summer. I, you might have mentioned something about this. Yeah, yeah. and I, I, I have half of a hog's head in my freezer that I have to use up. And I, if any callers call in, I, I want to... Th- I want to make head cheese with it. That's okay. the only thing I know how to make. But if any callers call in and have any ideas of what I should do with a hog head, I think I'm going to make head cheese. And you can put that on bami sandwiches. But I once had uh, the folks that they have a um, a barbecue place like in Arlington Heights. Maybe it's Palatine, uh, and it's all they do all meat, right? And and it's the kind of place where if, basically they have what they have until they run out. I mean, okay. it's like it's almost like meat church. Okay. <laughs> and I feel like that's the name of it. But uh, but they brought in uh, cheeks. 
like barbecued, mm, yeah, mm, yeah, pork cheek, yeah. Yes, yeah. that was. Cr- I mean, I never. And they brought it. I mean, they had it in studio. I basically had a pig face <laughs> next to me in the studio. I was like, "This is interesting." Hey, it's using all of the animal, right? Yeah. Right. Oh man. So yeah, I've never. I don't. I don't. I don't even know if I've eaten. I must have eaten head cheese at some point in my life. I'm not sure. Let me take a break and ask my husband. We are hanging out with uh, with with Bethany Story from Schoolhouse Kitchen over here in Portage Park. What's the website, Bethany? Website is iloveschoolhouse.com. I love schoolhouse.com, and uh, we'll catch up with her in a moment. And we'll take a quick break here and be back on uh, WCPT eight twenty Heartland Signal. Sorry about that. I pushed too many buttons at the same time. I was so excited to continue our conversation with Bethany Story from from Schoolhouse Rocks over here on Portage, uh, in Portage Park on Milwaukee Avenue. And there's another location that's soon to be relocated. Is that right? Yeah, we actually have three locations. So we're in Portage Park. We're located on Montrose in Milwaukee. We have a Wicker Park location on North Avenue right off of Western. Um, we're currently in River Forest as well. That's the location that's been open for about seven, eight years. Um, and after the new year, we are relocating to another location in Oak Park. So Ooh. everyone can keep an eye out for that. Excellent. And, yeah. of course, our friend Cheryl, uh, who uh, is the brainchild behind all of this, yes. including um, Sugar Beets Co-op yes. in Oak Park as well. Had so much fun broadcasting from there. And I believe we have a listener who has – now, Dave, are you calling with a suggestion for the hoghead? What's on your mind, Dave? I'm sorry, Roosevelt. Sorry. Uh-huh. Sorry, Roosevelt. Uh, how you doing? Thank you for taking my call. Excellent. Thank okay. you for calling. So you wanted to know what to do with a hoghead? Yes, please. See, I'm from the north part of Me- I'm from the north part of Mexico, and traditionally, my mother, when she used to make tamales, she's ninety one. She's ninety two now. We're going to be ninety two, but she no longer makes tamales. And the tradition from where we come from, north part of Mexico, close to Texas, two hours away from the border, uh, you make tamales out of them. And what oh. you do is, what you do is, you, you cook the, well, you know what, the, the, tamales takes a lot of work, but I was going to su- suggest a second part of it. You make tacos out of them, because you take you take all the meat, and you mix it all up, and you spice it up the way you want it. Now, when you talk about a hogshead, you're talking about raw, right? Not cooked. I, I cur- Right. I currently have a raw hog head. That's right. <laughs> what is that like when you open up the freezer? <laughs> Staring at you in the face. So how would I cook it, Roosevelt? You throw it in the oven. Okay. Uh, cut it up, make it fit, and you throw it just like a turkey. And the hog head still take care of it. It will take care of itself. Now, you got to add water so it doesn't dry, just like a turkey. Okay. The exception that this, this thing is not going to dry because, you know, a hog, now you're talking about a big animal. I used to I used to watch my my uncles and cousins sacrifice one of those gigantic animals, and I mean big hog. A big you're talking about a hog head that's big. Okay, so the best thing to do is use um, um, I mean cut it up and just throw it in the oven. The best way you 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 could do it, and it, it cooks itself basically. And it's typical. Like anybody else's, like the Filipinos, they do the same thing. They do lechon, which is a baby pig, and they roast it in the oven. The outside of the pig, the skin gets all crunchy. The same thing's going to happen here. Now, I was going to say, there could she do something like a barbacoa with the hog's head? Exactly, exactly. That's where I was heading. Thank you, Patty. Sorry. So it's like a barbacoa. A barbacoa is also, but it's beef. That's all kinds of meat. That's also from a cow's head. It's different ways of doing it, but traditionally, the barbacoa is made out of a head of a cow, the tongue. 
Tongue is all oh, delicious. But uh, I don't want to gross you guys out, but all you guys are European. You know that you brought all that stuff over here. <laughs> hey, ask so. the Scottish about their haggis, please. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So your best bet is to make tacos. Now, also, you can make tostadas out of them. What I mean by that, they already sell the tostadas at the store, pre-made. You don't have to heat up the tortilla. You just put it on top and then put on the side whatever you want. You could put uh, pico de gallo, which is cilantro, uh, hot peppers. You could omit that. Uh, tomatoes and onion. Uh, it, but you could top it, tostada. It, it's like an open-shell tortilla, hard-shell tortilla. You eat them, and then you put whatever you want. You make whatever you want on the side, which is rice, whatever, beans, oh, whatever, whatever. I, I am now just, I'm just looking at a video on YouTube. Of, there's a New York restaurant that uh, shows you how to do the, the pig head and uh, for pork terrine, pa- Palo Santo. Yeah, I, I'm, just looking, I'm looking at recipes for Bethany and her hog head. Oh, that sounds so good. <laughs> Roosevelt, I appreciate it so much. I don't mind a project like tamales, too. You invite friends over, and everyone just gets to work on it. I, yeah. That sounds fun. Yeah. Exactly. They come out so good, man. Like I said, I'm from the north part of Mexico, Nuevo Leon, uh, which is, like I said, uh, the north part of Mexico. And that's our tradition. My my ma and my my aunt, my aunt is no longer with us. They used to make like 50 dozen of tamales. They would just sit there for the whole day, and it was just them two. That tradition has gone by the board now because the young young guys, young kids, they don't want to do it because it's a lot of work. You got to, you know, go through a lot. Well, thank you so much for the recommendation, Roosevelt. Thank you. There you go. I think you've inspired her to go in that direction. Yeah, definitely. We have to find out what what choice she makes. That sounds better than head cheese. I think I'm going to go with this way. Thanks, Roosevelt. (laughs) Thank you, Roosevelt. Take care. Merry Christmas. Uh, We have to take another break. Do you want want to stick around for one more segment? Sure. Because you're from because you you've lived in Minneapolis, Minnesota, mm-hmm. right? And so the next hour is in Minnesota, so we can talk a little bit about traditions uh, for when you were when you were living in Minnesota Perfect. for the holidays. Right. More in a moment, on the, and folks, I, I promise to open up the phone lines are open. Uh, we will talk, return to the to talk about uh, Governor Abbott sending migrants here and asylum seekers by plane, essentially human trafficking. We'll, we'll do that at uh, six fifteen, folks. More in a moment on WCPT eight twenty Heartline Signal. Driving it home. Hello, hello. Happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas to those who celebrate. And uh, hi to our friends in Minneapolis, St. Paul, uh, listening on KTNF 950 AM. Joining us in studio is Bethany Story. She's one of our friends from Schoolhouse Kitchen over here on the northwest side. There's three locations, one in Wicker Park, one in River Forest, and uh, right here on the northwest side as well. Uh, They've got some winter camps for the kids. We've been talking knives, which I had no I I almost had to figure out, like, if people have knife questions and you you thought you missed it, you can always call back and talk to Bethany. Uh, Bethany, you also have... Have uh, been in the farming industry, and you did that in Minnesota. Yeah, what we, kind of farming remind me? It was a CSA farm, so community supported agriculture. It was only vegetables. We delivered to the Twin Cities. The actual farm itself was about five acres, and that was located in Clear Lake, Wisconsin. So about, oh, really? about two hours. Okay. Um, 
away from the Twin Cities. Excellent. And is it, and now that I mean, it's, you know, people think about ordering those, you know, like the, the CSAs, right? They're boxes mm-hmm. from farms. So you have yeah. something as local as possible because it diminishes the amount of footprint we leave on the planet. Right, right. right. And it, it, you have a stake in the well-being of the farm and the pro everything because it's all reliant on subscriptions. Exactly, exactly. So it was a really cool way to be engaged with the community. Um and that they we fed into, we delivered to um the kitchen window cooking school in uptown Minneapolis, um which is no longer there sadly, but we delivered to there and it was just this really great symbiotic relationship where, you know, then people learned how to cook the food we were delivering and, you know, you got to learn, you got to meet the farmer all about where your food is made and, you know, it was as yeah. close to farm to table as you could get for, you know, living in the city or the suburbs and it was, it was cool. Is there, you know, the, the people always say, well, it, it seems like it's a lot more expensive than buying things at the grocery store, but there are trade-offs to that too if you're able to to subscribe to a CSA, right? Yeah, and I think I think it's all all of our money is a trade-off of energy and priorities. So I think it's if 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 you know small sustainable agriculture is is important to you and that's a priority and knowing where your food come from comes from is a priority and knowing that it wasn't sprayed with chemicals is a priority and I mean the right like the list can go on and on. I think that's where the trade-off is is you get to talk to the farmer and he can you can be in on learning the tomato crop didn't do well this year and here's why we think right. it didn't do well so sorry not as many tomatoes as we thought and so you're really invested in it and you really are you get a really good inside look on what it really takes i mean it makes you think twice too about about waste culture right yes. and the food that we waste and how much we could be using food that's about to go bad and scraps and all of that because you really start to understand how much water and energy and everything goes into just one single tomato or apple or right head right. of cabbage so i think there's there's a lot there's a lot of benefit to it do you do a, do you still grow your own produce i wish i i had a garden plot um when i lived in portland oregon mm-hmm. and i've been trying to i live in evanston now i've been trying to get a garden plot through the city of evanston i was not chosen in the lottery oh so we do i do like windowsill herbs but i i wish i had a bigger spot to do more more gardening larger scale i had yeah. i actually had i planted uh, about three or four tomato plants i did pretty well some cherry tomatoes nice. and some uh, beefsteak tomatoes it turned out it was it was fun to do and then i was told i did this uh our friend the tummy whisperer renee uh i did a, a diagnostic and i don't tolerate uh tomatoes very well um so i ate pretty much all my tomatoes that's interesting <laughs> it was, I, I i just found out i just had a co-worker just mentioned this to me too that she doesn't tolerate tomatoes very well i don't know what that is it, maybe it's a nightshade family thing i, I know guess. People are sensitive yeah, to nightshade. Yeah. So do you? So you guys are celebrating your one-year anniversary at the Portage Park location, mm-hmm. and we were talking a little bit about some of the kids' programs. What do you what, what do you want to let people know about for 2024 for Schoolhouse Kitchen? Yeah, I want people to keep an eye out on our calendar. We have so many things coming up, and we really have something for everyone because we do adult classes. So it's BYOB, bring something to sip. Sometimes it'll be a bacon sip. We'll make some donuts and you know, bring a bottle of wine. We have, um, you know, Ooh, can I make a suggestion for a class? Yes. So I do a show called Whiskey and a Cookie. 
Oh, that's great. I'm just saying that would be a fun class to make cookies yeah. while sipping whiskey. I'm just I'm just putting that out that's there. That's a great one. So in and a, I could do the pairing. I don't know. I could find someone to do that. I love but. it. I love it. We're, me and uh, Kit of our supply company are, are trying to um, come up with the details for our next collaboration. So people should keep an eye out for that. It'll probably Ooh. be chocolate focused. Okay. So we'll cook, we'll bake something chocolate. They'll teach you something chocolate based um, for your cocktails. We'll do that probably in February. Keep an eye out for that. But we also do things you can do with the whole family. So if grandparents are in town and they want to do something with, um, you know, the grandkids or the parents and kids for a Friday night, want to come out and do something, we have family dinners. So everyone can sign up and do that. Um, we have things for uh, preschool aged. So caregiver child classes, Sunday mornings where you we read a book and then we make something pertain, pertaining to that book, like Little Red Hen we'll read and then we'll bake a cake. Um, we'll nice. Do, yeah. We'll, we have a nourishing nummies class during the week for parents that have little ones that are looking for something to do. Uh, we have we, we, we have a, a homeschooling curriculum coming up where oh. oh, I know there's a pretty good um, size homeschool community in the area. We have a homeschool um, series coming up starting in January for tweens and starting as young as five and that they'll really dive into the technical part of cooking and the culinary, like learning why we're doing what we're doing every step of the way. And there's going to be a nutritional educational component to it. So that's going to be for homeschoolers uh, starting in January. So we really have something for everyone. Excellent. So everyone should go to I love schoolhouse. I love schoolhouse.com. We, the Portage Park locations, Instagram handle is schoolhouse Portage Park. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Bethany. And uh, we'll, we'll, we'll schedule a time for kitchen knife talk. Yeah. Uh, and I will, I'll develop a, a whole, uh, something around that to, uh, to continue that conversation let's as well. Cause I, your face just lit up. You're like, yes, let's talk about yes. kitchen knives. I Knife love it. Nerd. Yeah. Well, Bethany, have a wonderful holiday. The Merry yeah. Christmas. Thank you for bringing cookies for us. Andy, we've got cookies in the studio, by the way, if you'd like to try some. And, uh, we wish you the very best and really excited to see what 2024 brings for Schoolhouse Kitchen. Thank you for having me. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Let's take a break here. The phone lines are open. I know we had some conversations that we paused. 773-763-9278. Carmen, if you want to call back, I think we had another Steve calling back. Oh, Steve from the Gold Coast. We'd love to hear from you. More, and I think Tim Hogan might be joining us soon too. Jess Piper at 630. More after this on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF Minneapolis, St. Paul, 950 AM. Hi folks, I'm Kirk Bankstead from the Monaco Brewing Company and I sell Choice Hard Seltzer, an all-natural grapefruit and lime-flavored booze that you can enjoy for only 100 calories a can. A percentage of the proceeds of each can sold goes to reproductive rights groups in the Chicagoland area. Enjoy a light, refreshing hard seltzer and support reproductive freedom at the same time. Now available at Provisions Uptown Chicago and R&J Wine and Spirits in Glenview as well as Eastside Cafe, Coffee and Wine Bar in East Dundee where Kate is serving up smiles and drink responsibly. You want facts to matter, want to hear some truth, get your lazy ass down to the voting booth and vote, God damn it! Steve uh, Goody from his album "What I Did During My Pandemic Vacation," and uh, we just had to. I don't, I, can we sustain in, in another? Uh, what is it? About twelve? About almost a year of get out the vote, Tim Hogan. <laughs> Got to do it again. Yes. Yeah. This is. Uh, this is crazy. Everything is crazy. Everything's Everything is crazy. Everything is crazy. Yeah. Uh, I. It, it's. Uh, we're not. Are we? Are we the dog that caught the bumper with Colorado throwing Trump off the ballot? I have so many questions about that yeah. that I don't know. Right. right? My, my immediate thought, and I, don't, I haven't seen any polling on this yet, was uh, we've heard over and over again that 
lot of voters, particularly independent voters, had said in polling, if Trump gets convicted in one of these court cases that he's in, that's it. They're right. out. Right. We but don't want a president. Yeah. It is different. But it is a court ruling legally mm-hmm. that the president committed acts of insurrection. Right. So my question is, does it play in that same space? I don't know. Maybe it does. Well, because his, but his base doesn't believe he did anything right. illegal. Right. But at the same time, it is, it is as we, I think the, there's also an impulse for us to jump and it's because it's what we do and it's how we talk about it immediately to the political ramification. Oh yeah. Right. It's like, what does this mean politically? And it's like, maybe first we should be like, legally, they, this is even an open question, that this is even a question that Supreme Courts across states and really only Minnesota and Colorado have taken it up at the state Supreme Court level. The fact that there is a question mark about whether or not the leading candidate on the Republican side is an insurrectionist and is qualified or disqualified under the 14th Amendment to be on the ballot is insane. Yeah. Right. Like that we should just stop there. I am not a lawyer. I, I, I don't know the intricacies of why Colorado ruled differently than Minnesota. I think they have different state laws in terms of access to primary ballots and general election ballot. And the cases were argued differently. But wild. Yeah. It is it, now. What was I can't remember. I think the, the didn't the, the courts in Minnesota say that he met the criteria yes. for being someone who wasn't eligible for the, the to be on the ballot, but that. I, I can't remember what the rest of the logic was of not barring him. I think it they is, didn't want to be the first. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't know if it is that they, they didn't. They didn't. I don't know if they didn't want to be the first. I also don't know that they made a judgment particularly on the application of insurrection, um, or if there was a different intervention of state law. And people had asked, had been asking this question too. The cases were also argued differently, right? And okay, you do have sure. different. You do have different justices and different uh, uh, states making that decision. Ultimately, right? This is going to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court is going to rule that he will be on the ballot. I would bet all of my money right, and life savings on that. Well, and there's there's several cases that are going to be before the court that are regards to— Yeah. I mean, whether it's um, the charges against insurrectionists, whether it count, it should be—the the charges should, should be defined that way, should they mm-hmm. be lesser charges, uh, whether or not—basically, uh, can he have immunity? Immunity, for, Yeah. Right. Per, like, is he a king? Ruling on gag Was orders. He, I mean, it is, yeah. it, is, it is the most consequential Supreme Court uh, moment in our history since at least, and maybe more than, 23 years ago. Okay. I, I, I know that Stephanie Miller talks about dying angry about Hillary not winning. For me, it, it still, I mean, like, I can, I can conjure the emotions of every single day from when yeah. they, you know, with the hanging chads and, you know, holding up the ballots to see if it actually had punctured the whole way. I had a, we had some butterfly ballots in, in Chicago. Oh. I had one. So because before this all became a big deal out of Florida, remember, cause remember that night, um, first they were, they had said that Gore won. It kept going back and forth right. on the news. Uh, but I had a butterfly ballot where you had, you had to go left and right and line, make sure you were putting your pin, you know, that little sticker mm-hmm. thing in the right place. And you had, you did have like Pat Buchanan on one side and like it was, it was strange. I want to know who designed that ballot because they're responsible for the downfall yeah. of the American Republic. I'm just kidding, but not, uh, not, not, not entirely. Really. No, not, um, not entirely. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's frustrating because I think there are a lot of folks who think, um, 
I voted. I didn't get exactly what I wanted, even though on a whole bunch of metrics, we see success from the Biden administration. I think we are turning an economic corner. And by the time we get to the election, people yeah. will feel a little better. Um, what do you think about cheerleading about gas prices? If yeah, they the I mean, bitch, should be. Why can't we cheer? If, if they are going to. <laughs> and I think we think about this too much as Democrats. It's like, well, the president is entirely yeah, responsible for gas prices. <laughs> but they were literally putting stickers yes. on all of the gas stations Joe that Biden said, I did that. Yeah. Right. I hope those stickers are still there. Yeah. Are people peeling them off now? I have no but that's idea. But that's the point. Is like if you know if they are going to uh, have that be an albatross around his neck, then he should get some credit for yes. when the prices come down. And he did make decisions about the strategic reserve and when to deploy that. So. And, and encouraging Venezuela to also open up more of their drilling. Right. Yeah. Right. Same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And not great necessarily for the planet. Uh, but if that's what you want, yeah. uh, here you go. I will say one thing. I, I feel a little more optimistic than than uh, many right now based on some of the polling. It's like this New York Times poll. I feel like the New York Times Siena poll comes out every few months or so. People lose their minds. Um, but we saw that. You know, for the first time, they've applied what's known as a likely voter screen, which is not just asking anybody who's a registered voter, but those who are likely to vote and sifting through what the electorate's going to look like. And Biden's winning by two points. So, you know, there's a lot of poll. And there's another poll out from Reuters Ipsos where Biden is winning across the battleground states by four points where the votes matter, where the electoral college votes will be counted. So there's a lot of work to do. I'm scared. We should be scared because we have a potential dictatorship hanging over our head. But it's not cause for abandoning all hope, right? No, now. not at all. Not yeah. at all. One of the biggest issues, and when I started doing stand-up comedy, I chose to use my mother's maiden name, Vasquez, uh, so that pe- in, in part to represent, uh, for people to not have to explain myself and say, oh, no, I, also I'm Mexican, kind of a thing. And I started getting pushback. This is in the 90s. My agents told me to change my name to something because they're like, well, you don't look Mexican mm-hmm. or you don't look Latina. Why don't you change your name to something that's more ethnic, vague? But go by Patty V. That was one mm. of the suggestions that I had and uh, I, I always wanted to represent and then I had bookers from comedy clubs saying I can't book you if people see your name on the marquee they're not going to come to this especially under hmm. Bush uh, Jr. and uh, and now I mean like that was sort of the rumblings that I and I experience on a much less level than people who come here or people who are targeted because of their appearances sure. And but I have never seen so much hostility towards Latinos as I have uh, during this I mean it's always about immigration yeah. and then it always splashes on every everybody else in the community. Right. And this is a really, I mean, Tom, I don't know if you heard Tom Hartman say maybe Biden has to do something drastic in order to, I mean, even people who have come here from Latin American countries or, or from Mexico uh, want the borders closed. This is tough. What, the, the reason I get so frustrated about this is because I worked in Congress in 2012, way back when, decade ago, uh, 2010 to 2012 uh, in, in different capacities, so 2014 actually. And you know what the big piece of legislation was in 2012 that Republicans were finally coming around to passing in 2013 was comprehensive immigration reform because Mitt Romney had just lost. We had one of these autopsy reports from the RNC again from people like Reince Priebus saying, oh, my gosh, we lost again. We keep losing Latino vote. This immigration issue is really terrible for us. We should do something to fix it. So we got senators, gang of eight senators, Republicans, bipartisan passage of comprehensive immigration reform. It goes to the House. This is when Obama's president. Had the House passed it, Obama would have signed it. We would have had a pathway to citizenship for dreamers. We would have had more funding for our judges to to process. We would have more funding for border security. What happened is that John Boehner decided, 
I don't <sighs> even want to bring this up for a vote. And the worst part about it is we had the votes. I was on the House side. There were enough Republicans who would have voted for it to get it done. We even tried using a discharge petition, which is you go around the speaker, right. you get enough people, 217 to sign it, brings a piece of legislation automatically to the floor. But the whole Republican thing has been, if a majority of our caucus won't support it, I can't bring it to the floor. At least a quarter would have, and it would have gotten done, and it would have gotten signed, and a decade ago, we would have solved the immigration problem that we are facing now that Republicans are using as a wedge issue in 2024. It's insane. And they blame it all on Joe Biden. Right. It is not Joe Biden's fault. Nope. And it is a terrible situation for so many of these people. And it is unsustainable. And we need to have an answer. But I just cannot take the Republican hypocrisy on oh. it. Oh, it's insane. Well, and because they want to, they want to be able to run on it too. They want it. It's like anything right. else. Defund the schools and say, look. And so now, when the schools don't have operating funds, they say that the schools are terrible. Well, you made them terrible by defunding them, right? Abortion. They, they, right now, they're struggling because they got what they wanted, and now they're getting slapped around with it. But yep. women are still suffering. Families are are really bearing the brunt of that. Uh, but I feel like immigration is their big thing right now, and it, and in Chicago with what uh, Governor Abbott is doing now, I don't know if you saw that he yeah, charted a... Yeah, well, about, well, they're a welcoming city. They're not holding up their end of the bargain. So we were talking about this a little bit in the last hour. Let me see what Steve... Steve's calling back uh, about the uh, migrant and asylum seeker situation in Chicago. What's on your mind, Steve? Uh, yes, I want to make a couple of points. So, uh, yeah, you notice uh, Governor Abbott is not actually relocating Venezuelan immigrants to exactly where, you know, they might be uh, received uh, by their by their local population, which would be Florida. That's that's the way that immigration works best is when immigrants end up in places where there are people of their background already established and therefore they can assimilate them and their support services. But, of course, you're not going to send people from Texas to Florida because Florida is a red state. So, you know, there's no there's no political pay to be made there. No, you have to send them to New York and Chicago. Chicago has virtually no Venezuelan population. Right. So, yes, it's very difficult to assimilate these people. So, yeah, and it's become a huge wedge issue up to and including the city of Chicago. You know, that ridiculous debate about whether or not we're going to continue to be a sanctuary city last week. Guess what? No matter which way that vote would have come down. It wouldn't have changed the status of these people. These people are not out of status. They're not here illegally. Until they, they have their court date, they are here legally. Yep. The sanctuary city policy that we have it is meant to protect people from what used to be INS. Now it's the Department of Homeland Security in terms of local law enforcement, not sharing information with, uh, with federal right. authorities that would help, uh, help people to be, say, deported. We are under, under the sanctuary city policy of Chicago. We're under no obligation to house or feed or educate. Them. That's just something we do. As a city, we have taken it upon ourselves to do this idea that if you repeal our sanctuary city status, that oh wow, we we would be off the hook. We could, we could just kick these people out. And we wouldn't have we wouldn't have any burden on us in terms of financial obligations. No, it wouldn't change anything. And those aldermen knew that full well. But again, they're exploiting the ignorance of voters in that ridiculous debate that took place last week. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it, it was a culmination of a, a big pile of nothing after all the drama weeks earlier, and that, you know there was no reason for uh, Carlos Arosa to bully people. Uh, there, there was uh, unfortunate circumstances all around and behavior all around too. Uh, but th- this is what I'm saying: it's the chaos is the point, mm-hmm. the disruption, the you know sh- acting as though it's all the Democrats' fault. They're being rather crafty with this. 
Just, they, I mean, I mean, the fact that the president has repeated, former president has repeated yeah. three or four times now that they are poisoning our blood. Oh, my God. Yeah. I they, mean, that's, 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 that, right. is, and, that is, you know. And keep in mind that. And let's keep in mind that with regard to Joe Biden, he actually, you know, is is wary about expressing what he's done with regard to the border because he's wary about losing the left wing uh, of that of our voting populace. So, you know, Democrats, I think, need to stand up and say, look, nobody. I mean, if you gathered together 20 mainstream individuals from uh, the, the Republican and Democratic sides in this country, nobody would be for open borders. So I don't know why we, we want to necessarily placate this small minority of persons in our own party who are for open borders. And so, I mean, to stand up and say, it, we are not for this. We are not for uh, what's, go- what's happening. It is not the fault of this president that this is happening. This is post-COVID and a lot of other things that people uh, are coming here because they thought that they've been sold this bill of goods that, you know, America is open and there's a lot of opportunity and you get to stay. None of which is true. Right. But there are a lot of people profiting on that process of moving people north. Yep. And unfortunately... You know, it's a it's a double edged sword because we want to help people because we're decent human beings in the city of Chicago. But yep. on the other hand, if people get on the phone and say to their aunt, uncle, cousin, whatnot, hey, things are pretty good here, then more people come. So yeah, I think I, I think it's a, yeah. I mean, there's so many layers of that. I, I've got to take a break soon. Thanks so much for calling, Steve. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, but that's I mean, again, what are the things that we need to uh, one? You know, I think that celebrating the successes uh, and it's going to. It, when people do feel the economy improving, whether it's the interest rates on mortgages and credit rating, all, all the things mm-hmm. that – because I just – I'm seeing small businesses uh, close and point to the economy. And you know they say you know post-pandemic it's been hard, but then they'll say inflation, which has stabilized. But there's also price gouging yeah. still going on too, isn't yeah. there? There's also price gouging that's going on. I mean we are starting to see a turnaround finally in real wage growth, which is why I think we're at a point right now where I, I – you know. I am I am thankful we have 11 months until the election because we have to make our case um, and we are seeing some economic improvements. But it is also the fact that the, the Biden campaign has spent a, a fractional amount of the resources that they will spend to communicate to voters. It's going to be a billion dollars. It'll be a billion dollars. And right now, your average person thinks about politics four minutes every week. That that is that is the normal person. What is that like? What is wrong with us? What? Is that like? <laughs> uh, what? But, but you know, is that true? <laughs> no, yeah. There's there are there are studies that are Jim Messina cites it a lot when he was he's trying to get people to calm down about about people bedwetting about the Biden campaign. People are not tuned in. They are not tuned in. The vibes feel off, and so they're like, ah, I don't know if I'm going to vote, or I don't know, maybe I'll vote for RFK, or maybe I'll vote oh. for you know, I mean, it was just insane. Like, it just absolutely no reason to even consider him as a legitimate candidate. No, no. but. Um, you know, the the point being, there's time, and we also don't even have the Republican primary done. So, yeah, Trump is going to be the nominee, but a lot of voters are thinking, maybe it's Nikki Haley, maybe it's Ron DeSantis, uh-huh. probably not, probably not. And when it comes into focus and you start hearing the Trump rallies again where he's talking about people poison, poisoning the blood of, of our country and being extreme and terrible and talking about tax cuts for rich people— 
that's when the real contrast happens. Excellent. Well, do you want to hang out with uh, me and the sure. Road Dem, Jess Piper? Yeah. Coming up in just a moment, uh, we're going to talk. I mean, I, I, there's something I needed to tell her. I was going to post about it, but I'm like, well, maybe I'll tell her first and I'll post about it later. She had a question for folks regarding uh, booze in the capitals, in the state capitals. I think you probably have some thoughts that you do, maybe don't want to share, but I can. <laughs> More after this on WCPTA 20 Heartland Signal. We'll hang out in studio with Tim Hogan, the executive director of our Heartland Signal newsroom, and Jess Piper, the Dirt Road Dem show. Joins us in just a moment on WCPT 820 Heartland Signal and KTNF 950 AM, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Grandpa got run over by a hybrid Walking through the Whole Foods parking lot Dang, he said that engine sure is quiet And that turned out to be his final thought the driver did not see him coming Till through the windshield Grandpa sailed She said at first she thought what hit her Was just a giant flying cursing bag of kale It's <laughs> a... That's, uh, Grandpa got run over by a hybrid. Uh, that's Steve Goody and Bradley Tassel. You can go to stevegoody.com, G-O-O-D-I-E.com for a little holiday music and all of his other great music. Uh, joining me in studio is Tim Hogan, the editor-in-chief of the Heartland Signal Newsroom. And on the line with us is, uh, you guys, this is so much fun to have both of you together on the air. It's, it's Jess Piper, the Dirt Road Dem. And uh, I have to, uh, I, I, I don't know if Tim wants to join this conversation, but Jess, you had a, a question earlier today about, uh, hearing a story that a legislator uh, that there are basically open cabinets of booze in, in a state capital, and uh, I, I don't know what kind of answers you got, but here's what I wanted to post: uh, having set, sat in the press box of the Springfield uh, in the General Assembly, uh, I, I, I still have the texts of someone asking me to go to their office because they were so bored during a floor debate <laughs> during our budget process, uh, asking me to bring them two coffee cups, coffee cups uh, filled with not coffee. So oh that was par- part of the Bourbon Caucus. Yes, I have. I have the. I, I have. As people know, I like to keep the receipts. So, I, <laughs> so girl, yes. I keep those receipts too. But no, no just there was a, a story published today about our speaker who was in trouble for a lot of things. Um, like he used his campaign account to you know for travel, and then he asked the state to reimburse him, and that went on for years. And he was double dipping, and he was like, "Oops." And just pay the money back, but they just redid his his office in the Capitol for sixty grand, and he spent twenty nine thousand on on furnishings on furniture, and then part of it was this massive liquor cabinet in the Capitol. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know the boys got to have their because I can you can just see them with their cigars and their and their brandy glasses or their you know the Irish crystal. I'm just saying I can see. That. I just saying this this makes a whole lot of sense now with the legislation coming out of Missouri I'm like oh they're drunk okay that makes <laughs> way more sense <laughs> this is also it's, it's so interesting I did not I did not realize that that was a thing but we were tracking a story from Bleeding Heartland which is a great blog written by Laura Bellin out of uh, Iowa not not as interesting in terms of money spent on a liquor cabinet but Kim Reynolds there had given her staff just incredible pay raises 
over the last few weeks. Just does not track mm-hmm. with the cost of living in Des Moines. Not co- they oh, did a comparison God. to other capitals, their experience level, how many years they've been there, and doing all of that will cut in state budget public services. Yeah, but we can't you know. give kids uh, lunches or you know right. provide after school programs or fun schools, which right. uh, are. Can I? Yeah. Right. Can I just tell you that la- just a few months ago. Missouri turned back $42 million to the feds because they couldn't figure out how to get federal money to hungry kids in Missouri. The year before, they sat on it for a year. And this year, they're like, we can't figure it out. And they sent it back. Forty-two million dollars for kids. But they're going to spend sixty grand on one office. By the way, Starting, he spent twenty nine thousand furnishing. The starting teacher pay in Missouri is twenty five thousand dollars a year. Wow, you spent more than that on Ethan Allen furniture, right? Crazy. I mean, it, it, the 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 food benefits too. We were just reading today in Nebraska, eighteen million dollars. They said no thanks. We don't know. Right. We don't know how to spend it. That's crazy. You know, someone was just asking me, Jess, I don't know if you follow this the story. Uh, I, I'm sure you're aware that uh, Governor Abbott continues to uh, bus migrants to Chicago, and the city of Chicago has started impounding those buses because they're violating, you know, basically the rules of dropping people off, having information on the passengers. So today he chartered a, a private jet and flew people here. And uh, and it is, it, 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 people are asking, if, is that, you know, is are they using the money appropriately that supposed to go towards the care of migrants and the answer from fema is yes they can use that money to just ship people to other places so can you i mean they they think it's this big you know gotcha to the libs or whatever but here's the thing people are traveling and, and they're migrating into the u.s they know where they're going they have family here they have family in texas they have a place to go they are sending them thousands of miles north where they have no advocates. They may not speak the language. They don't have any family. They have no access to the things that they knew they were going to have once they migrated here. So, I mean, not only it's, it's not a gotcha to libs, and it's not like Chicago is like, no, we don't want these people. The plain fact is that, I mean, it's cruel, um, for one. But two, these people, they had, you know, help. They had family where they were going in general. Yeah. Exactly. And that's, uh, again, the cruelty is the point. And it brings us to, I was telling uh, Tim in the last segment that uh, in my, and I'll ask my mom too, if it, what her sense is of this, because my mom came here as, a, as an immigrant in 1968 and uh, decided to live here uh, and met my dad. Uh, it just happened to be the very first day and he happened to be her cab driver. Neither here nor there. Oh yeah. I was oh, like, wow. <laughs> it's, a true, it's a true story. Uh, I mean, I don't know how they, you know, tip in Mexico, but apparently she had a different scale. Anyway, I... <laughs> <laughs> my my joke about that is that like you know they dated for a year and, and you know her, she was like my green card expires next week marry me or this goes and not far off from the truth anyway again ni- neither here nor he- there but I I do wonder because she she told me this story and I, I okay I do have a lot of fun stories about my parents uh, because my dad was Irish and so he would go places in the seventies with my mom sixties and seventies with my mom that were not that accepting of people of color and uh, someone was giving my mom a hard time while my dad was in the bathroom I don't know why I'm pointing to that wall. <laughs> yeah. I, that, exactly. But uh, but my mom was at the bar by herself and this guy was harassing her about being there. My dad comes back and my mom tells her that he's giving her a hard time and my dad's about like my dad squares off on this guy and my mom goes, Larry, he's very big and he goes, I'm not gonna carry him. So <laughs> 
because <laughs> my dad was only about five foot three. Uh, but but that was a kind of reaction she would get from people that she didn't belong here. You don't belong in this bar. You don't belong in the city. And I'm only start, I, I've experienced some of it throughout my life, but I've never seen it as bad as it's getting now. And with the language, the rhetoric of poisoning the blood of America, I, I, it's unbelievable to me that we're here. It's it's unbelievable. It's pretty, oh, go ahead, Jess. Yes. Oh no, I was just going to say it's pretty sick that that he has to, you know, Trump has to say, well, I didn't even read Mein Kampf, and you're like, Jesus Christ, like we're at that point where they're having to dena- say that they are not reading <laughs> Hitler's literature, right? And, and but honestly, we're all like, we know you didn't read it. I mean, like, <laughs> someone gave you the talking point, but no one ever thought you read Mein Kampf because. You know, that's difficult and you would have to read. But, but anyway, then, but then there are also like the, this is Donald Trump's saturation in our world. We just know too much about him. There's former court cases where his former wife, Ivana, yeah. said, no, yeah, he is. He, he read Hitler's speeches. He, he was obsessed with Hitler's speeches. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's like it, it is it is it comes from Trump. And we're seeing a little bit of what happened during the Trump administration happen again, which is I didn't see the tweet. I don't want to comment on it. I didn't see the tweet from Republican senators. But then you're seeing people like J.D. Vance, who we watched yesterday, just flat out lie and spin Trump's comments. He said it three or four times now, the poisoning the blood, destroying our blood, some version of it. And J.D. Vance was saying to these reporters, uh, he was stopped by the Associated Press in the Capitol yesterday, he said, you guys don't even listen to the speech. He was talking about fentanyl. He's talking about migrants bringing fentanyl across the border and they're poisoning blood. So we did a little search of the speeches and Trump has either not mentioned the word fentanyl during these speeches, mm-hmm. or in the closest case in Durham, New Hampshire, he mentioned the word fentanyl once, 40 minutes later, in no relation to what he's saying about, about destroying and poisoning the blood. So, like, just we, let's, let's stop, stop letting people play games on this, right? It is yeah. it's xenophobia. It's demagoguing. It's terrible. It's extreme. We should just call it for what it is. But unfortunately, we're in a position, again, where Republicans are just going to say, I, didn't, I don't know what he's talking about. Right. I, I don't... Uh I don't know. Uh, the, oh, there's a there's a clip in the queue uh, by Nic- I, I got it. I'm going to look at Meliota. It says here, <gasps> Nicole. Oh, is this? Am I saying that wrong? Here, let me see what this uh, this clip is that Andy said we should take a this look. This is wild. I'll start off by simply asking, is Trump right that immigrants are poisoning the blood of this country? Well, I don't think that's what he was saying. When he said they are poisoning, I think he was talking about the Democratic policies. I think he was talking about the open border policy. And if you look at what my (laughs) mayor, our mayor here in New York City is saying, that this migrant crisis is destroying New York City, I think it's pretty much the same thing. What we're trying to say here is that we need to have secure borders. You know what's actually poisoning uh, America is the amount of fentanyl that's coming oh over my God. our open yeah, so border. They, the so this is a really serious issue, and I think that that's what he's uh, talking about, that the open borders are unsafe, that it's unsustainable, well, it's, he, and it's bankrupting cities like ours, and we need to address it. Congresswoman, you're saying that's what you think he's saying, but he was pretty clear. He was saying that the immigrants who are coming in, he says they're po- they're poisoning yes. the blood of the nation, he says. Never said immigrants they're doing are poisoning, it. though. He's talking about people I, coming I, I honestly think it was being... Quote. We just played yeah. it. Yeah, oh and God. he said he didn't say the words the immigrants. I think he was talking about the democratic policies. He was talking poison. about people. Okay, well, look, I don't. He was talking about. <laughs> look, I know that some are trying to make it seem like President Trump is is anti-immigrant. The reality is, he was married to immigrants. He's hired immigrants. I mean, he's not. It's. it's he's, he was he talking wants, about people yeah. coming across the border. He was yeah, saying they're coming that over the. Border. They, he was saying that they were. Uh, that they were uh, 
they were bringing crime. They were bringing, you know, violence with them when they came into the country. But that's true. So, well, you agree that he's talking about immigrants. Well, no, but but the thing is, is that our open borders is unsafe and unsustainable. I can't say her last name. Meliodakis. Yeah, it's close. The, Meliod- good, good on Abby Phillip for asking those questions yeah. and not letting it go. And yeah. that's how it should be done. That's how it should be done. And and they should they should be armed. Reporters should be armed with understanding that that's not what he's talking about. Yeah, not even close. He didn't say the word fentanyl. He's not talking about democratic policy. I don't policies. know why. I'm so sorry. I just I don't know why at this point why they even bother to to try to say that isn't what he's saying because that's what his base wants him to say. Right. They want him to say it. They're listening for it. Anyone anyone not already in that camp isn't going to fall for whatever she said and they don't like the rhetoric. So there's no point at this at this, you know, point in the road to say, "Hey, he didn't mean it." Of course he did. And you guys like it. And okay, 30% of the population. Now we got to keep you know, moving and doing what we should, because I hate when people, you know, talk about, um, you know, Hitler and, and this is Hitler and this is the rise and all that. But friends, like this, it honestly is like when you study history, you're <laughs> yeah, like, this right. is it. This is when people decided I'm going to say something or I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And this is the point. Which and Jess does Jess does not keep her mouth shut. She, uh, you know, the amount of people that like I'll scroll through just to see what the responses are. And I know once in a while you'll engage, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how you do this. Uh, yeah. But I mean, there, there's a when 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 you post about abortion and what's happening, whether it's in Ohio where they want to go after this woman for miss what was it abuse of a corpse or restricting mm-hmm. women's travel in Texas, uh, the number of people that I see like, well, maybe she should keep her legs closed or it's murder and all these and, and like there's there's just no, I mean, I know that you do it to also hold them up as examples of the utter stupidity yes. that's coming out of some people. Uh, but how do you take care of yourself? I know I ask you this almost every time. I Well, um, I have no self-care whatsoever. <laughs> I run on anger and caffeine. Uh, I gave up smoking a long time ago or <laughs> another thing. But, you know, it's... Um, it is what it is. Twitter is a is a complete cesspool. There, the reason I'm there is because there are 120,000 people there, and, and I I can't leave that audience. But it is absolutely you know hell over there. But I'll tell you, they charged Brittany Watts. They charged her yesterday with abuse of a corpse. And you know what? They should come after me too because I have done the same thing because I have miscarried three times, and one time was in the restroom. And you mm. know what? I called my doctor. I called my doctor. You know what he said? To bring it in, to to bring it in, and it was so shameful. It was so, it was it was just something I didn't want to do. My body failed, and this happened, and now I feel ashamed, right? And that is what they are going to women. But now they're going to jail us when our bodies fail. They're going to put us in jail. They're going to charge us with crimes. There is you could you have a miscarriage in a toilet. There's no playbook. Nobody tells you what to do. There's nothing you can do. You're you're in the moment. And no matter what she would have done, if she would have if she would have put it in the box and buried it in in the backyard, guess what? They would have charged her with the same crime. She went to the hospital over and over again. And that's why everyone needs to understand it's a war against women. And none of us are going to get out of this as long as one of us can be charged. And I I really feel that Brittany was charged because she is a black woman, but. They're coming for all of us, friends. It's well, not stop with Brittany. People hate when I say this, right? And I got an argument on Twitter. Uh, I try not to, but uh, you know, if if it's murder. 
to Jess's point that they have to come after you for abuse of a corpse for any woman that's ever had an abortion because there is no statute of limitations on murder. People are like, well, but abortion was legal. Murder was not. So if you're committing to abortion is murder, you can prosecute any woman who has ever had an abortion for any reason. I, I don't right. know why people are like, oh, that's a bit. No, it's not too much because here we are telling women they can't travel out of state, uh, charging women who were told to go home and, you know, just let the let the, the corpse of your miscarriage pass. I mean, what what, what are we supposed to do? Oh. Patty, there, there are two. Missouri is one of only a few states where we have pre-filed bills so we can see what's coming up. There is a senator and a representative that wrote legislation for 24 in Missouri to charge women with murder for abortion. Mm. Now, one of the representatives, he pulled it because he got so much national backlash. But the other one, Senator Mike Moon, he is not pulling his. And let me tell you about him. That man beheaded a chicken on Facebook Live to talk about abortion. That man said that 11-year-old girls who were impregnated should be able to be married in Missouri. That is the man that is saying that women should be charged with murder. He thinks children should be married. Like, these people are insane. And it doesn't matter because they're lawmakers and they're doing whatever they want, right? And and so when people sit back and say, well, they can't come to places like Missouri, go to Ohio, go to Texas, and then let's talk about it, right? Ugh. Unbelievable. And with what we're doing in education, I don't see it's going to get any better in a lot of places, Jess. Oh, hell no. I, I, you know how I am with that. I'm just so vouchers failed in Texas, but they didn't stop. I mean, they're billionaires. They don't want to pay their taxes. This is the end goal to get rid of you know public education because that's where a massive amount of money is spent. And so it failed in Texas. And so guess what? They're coming north to Missouri, and I see my lawmakers. I see 10 or 12 of them a day uh, tag in Betsy DeVos's lobbyist, Corey DeAngelo, saying, we're going to do it. Here we go. And guess what? Those lawmakers, I know who they are because they posted pictures of themselves on paid trips in Scottsdale and in Orlando where they were given model legislation to bring back to Missouri to expand the voucher scheme and to privatize public schools. So, like, the whole the, – the curtain has been lifted. We can see them now, and they're doing it in public, and they're tagging Betsy DeVos and saying, look at what we're doing. It, it, it's a it's a bribe scheme. I don't even know how this is legal. Um, but, I mean, at least people are noticing. At least folks are like, holy, you know, they really mean it. They do. They absolutely do. And, and you're right about the tax part, because we were able to shut down a program called Invest in Kids, which was a 75% tax credit. So you not only do you have to pay taxes on it, you can take, put your money, you know, withdraw it from the, the pool of money that goes to public education and basically have a tax shelter. Uh, so we, right. we shut that down. Uh, but it, by the way, they wanted to buy airtime. Did you have this conversation with... <laughs> We talk about that offline. <laughs> they, they wanted me to read. Jess, they wanted me to read ad copy. And I was, someone came in and asked me, I'm like, absolutely not. <laughs> I don't need to Thank that. you, Patty. Yeah. And I was I was so proud of Illinois when you guys were like, nope, not anymore. Not on our watch. And I was like, thank God yeah. you were able to get that done. But they're not going to stop. No. Just like in Texas, we were so happy. But they're not stopping. They're just going to go to the next state. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why everyone should realize that, you know, red state politics, you should pay attention. And I know we've talked about this before, but like when people talk about, oh, Chicago, the guns, where are they getting them from? They're getting them from Missouri, where you can go across anybody. Children are are legally allowed to carry guns in this state. So when they talk about, 
gun violence in Chicago, which, by the way, Chicago has less of a gun violence problem than Springfield, Missouri. And mm-hmm. that's a fact, right? Yeah. That's, a, that's a fact. Um, but anyway, it's coming from state. So red state politics bleed into into everyone's state. And that's why everyone should be on guard. People in, you know, in Illinois and in Chicago should be like, holy crap, it really matters what goes on in Ohio and Missouri. How are the uh, meetings that you're having in, uh, in basements of banquet halls? <laughs> Is it growing? Are you getting more folks that are like that? I've had it. I've got it. I've got to see what else what my options are. There are so many. It's just people, it's it's really hard to step out. Like you can get online and you can join a group in a private group and maybe you can talk, but people are really scared to, to say it out loud. But I, uh, the school choice thing will bring everyone on board. Um, it, it, there are lots of conservatives. There's lots of Republicans. My neighbors, they love their schools. And so once they start dipping into that area, we're able to get a lot more people on board because it's not a liberal issue. It's the fact that, that, you know, we don't want the spoof hounds defunded. We want them to stay open. You know, we like our tigers. We like our blue jays. And we're going to lose them if they pass this scheme. Incredible. What can we do? What can folks do to help? Follow you on Twitter is one good place to, to stay up to date on how you fight this. Uh, waking up every day, just roaring to go. Uh, follow- just punching, Patty. <laughs> <laughs> Jess Piper is the Dirt Road Dem on, uh, on, fa- on uh, Twitter, and she also has her own Facebook page. Where else would you like? W- w- how can we help? Well, I have a podcast that comes out every week called The Dirt Road Democrat. I also have a sub-stack that's under Jess Piper. Um, Twitter, like I said, it's, it's a dying thing, um, but I am there, uh, Piper from Missouri, and I'm on Threads, which is different, but there's no, like, there are people, there's not people telling you to keep your legs closed. There. <laughs> it, is pretty, it is pretty nice, and then, of course, I'm, I'm on TikTok. Um, but just trying to get the word out there. Um, and I know that 24 is going to be a full on assault on public schools in Missouri. I'm 100 percent positive of that. We're still trying to get abortion on the ballot. Man, we are struggling. It's something. It's a super majority. You know, it's a fight every day. Well, we are uh, we are here to support you in any way we can and, uh, and to hear your stories and to encourage you and everybody else who uh, knows that this is we're heading in the wrong direction in Missouri and, and it does impact us across the country. So thank you so much. And uh, uh, let's our third Wednesday. Is it the third Wednesday of the month or is this the second Wednesday? We'll, f- we'll figure out what the, our regular s- segment is because we've got to check in with Jess every single month. But please don't hesitate, Jess, to reach out if you, you want to jump on the air and you've got something you want folks to know about here too please you know it goes both ways that is a that is a dangerous proposal because i have always got something on my mind all right always i'll check it i'll check in with you weekly like how you feeling you want to say something you can jump on anytime my friend thank you thank you perfect i appreciate you i love you thank i appreciate you too we'll talk to you soon Happy Merry Thanks, Christmas! Girl, love you. Happy you holidays! You too. Merry Christmas! Yay! Celebrate! Celebrate! All right, t- take care. Let's. Uh, t- I-, I think we're out of time. I, th- I might just be firing the commercials. Oh, and yeah. yeah. Let me see what happens. We'll see if I can say goodbye before uh, the end of the show. Hey there, it's your guy Warren Price from European and U.S. Collision Repair, a division of Technicraft Body Shops. We specialize in automobile and truck repair as well as normal automobile maintenance. With our highly skilled technicians and environmentally friendly materials, we strive for quality. Call 773-248-1200, that's 773-248-1200 or europeanus.com. 
We are uh, wrapping up. I'm so sorry to our, our uh, listeners, uh, Todd and Dave, who wanted to join the conversation. We've run out of time, but I will be back tomorrow. And Dan Schaefer from the Palatini will be joining me, Ooh. co-hosting. So if you're in, the, if you want to come hang out with us again t- tomorrow, Tim, uh, what, are you traveling back home for the holidays? I will be in Minnesota for the holidays. Well, Merry yes. Christmas, my friend. Thank you. Merry Christmas to you. Yeah, I, I, thank you so much for everything. I'm really grateful uh, to work with you. I'm inspired by the work you guys do at Heartland Signal. So thank you for fighting the good fight and catching those stories. You too. Thank you for doing this. Every- Every day, starting an hour and then expanding to two hours this year. I'm happy to be here. Love it. I love being here. And Andy, thank you so much. Am I seeing you before Christmas? Merry Christmas, my friend. Thank you for everything. And again, also grateful for all the work that you do. Uh, also, I mean, Andy works so hard. A lot of those news, uh, do you want, can I say that how much of the news minutes he does pulling clips for mm-hmm. the shows? Uh, really does a tremendous job. And uh, thank you so much, Andy. Have a wonderful holiday.